Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today's message is from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Pastor Roy will be talking about how we are the aroma of Christ. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along. Well, this is uh, Thanksgiving season, and um, uh, talking about uh, today, we're actually going to talk about the aroma of Christ, uh, but we've also got some things to say about Thanksgiving as well. If you haven't thought of anything to be thankful for, be thankful we don't have the snow that Sioux Falls has, right? I mean, my goodness, I am thankful uh, that we didn't have that uh, to deal with uh, this week. You know, it's easy to complain, too, about stuff, and I want to give us a little reminder this slide about complaining. Uh, so the next time we think about complaining, maybe we'll think twice about it. $5 charge for whining, and add a $100 charge for whining about the whining charge. So, you know, it's easy for us to whine about stuff, but this is an opportunity to be thankful uh, for what God has done uh, in our lives. If you turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to take a look at that in a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. This little phrase that it starts with is the phrase we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about four ways to spread the aroma of Christ. Four ways we are going to spread the aroma of Christ. And each one of these that we're going to look at starts off with this little phrase, but thanks be to God. He says in verse 14, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task. He ends with a question. Our lives are inundated with aromas, aren't they? We can hardly go anywhere without smelling something. I mean, this week, many of us are going to be smelling turkey in the oven, right? Uh, there'll be a scented candle on the table, air fresheners in your vehicle, air freshener sprays for the house. Our nose never seems to get enough. I started thinking about all the various items um, that spread an aroma, and I started getting hungry. <laughs> I said, maybe that's why we, we have trouble keeping weight off is because of all these aromas that just want to just make us want to eat. I mean, think about this. I was looking up the different uh, smells for Febreze. Febreze, apple delish, cranberry cheer, pumpkin bliss, Vanilla and cream, mist, warm milk, and honey. I mean, what in the world? No wonder we get hungry. We're smelling food all the time. And then what about our soaps, our soft soaps? Twisted peppermint, winter candy apple. Here's one we have at home right now, and I can just, oh. I mean, maple sugar kiss, <laughs> iced white pomegranate, tea time shortbread. Tuscan lemon tart. Here's one I hope nobody has. Pink champagne and tulips. I mean, unbelievable. Are you getting hungry? I'm getting hungry. And then there's candles. Salted caramel. 
Marshmallow Fireside, Vanilla Bean Noel. And then you walk around the corner, and what do we have? We have these little plug-ins on the wall, right? The little plug-ins, Cinnamon Caramel Swirl, Golden Peach Sparkle, Pumpkin Cheesecake, Pumpkin Cupcake. And then you go pull the clothes out of the dryer, and you have those dryer sheets that add a scent to your clothes, right? I mean, when I was looking that up, one guy said there's seven toxic reasons to ditch dryer sheets because it puts off all these chemicals. But it's the scent, it's the smell that causes us to get excited. And then there's flowers. And then this one cracked me up, scratch and sniff stickers. <laughs> if we don't get enough, just, you know, scratch and sniff. I mean, you know. And then there's perfumes and body washes. I mean, it never stops. According to one firm, it's estimated that roughly $30 billion was spent in 2013 on perfumes. It all goes down the drain. And they predict that by 2018, there'll be $45.6 billion spent on perfume. I mean, the smell. We're addicted to it, aren't we? But then I think of the unpleasant smells. I would bring home dead fish and put them in the refrigerator. My mom loved that. You know, it was too late to clean them at night. and um, She didn't care for that at all. And my wife doesn't like me putting night crawlers in the refrigerator either. Uh, the smell. So here, Paul talks about spreading that we, in verse 15, are to God the aroma of Christ. I hope that by the time we get done today, we will have a better grasp of understanding what Paul really means by that phrase of spreading the aroma of Christ. Because that is what God has called us to do. We are to spread, we are to emit this beautiful, sweet fragrance to the world. And that's what God wants from all of us. And so let's look at four ways we can spread the aroma of Christ. Number one, the aroma of Christ is spread through the servants of Christ. Notice Paul says, we are the aroma of Christ. He's talking about them as servants of Christ, as servants of God. They are the aroma of Christ. We are the aroma of Christ. We do not raise ourselves up. We do not promote ourselves. There are some people who only get into ministry for what they can get out of it. They amass wealth at the expense of others. Notice what Paul says at the end of verse 16. Who is equal to such a task? And the reason he said that is because there were people who were false teachers and philosophers who were trying to get rich off of their teaching. They tried to deceive people and cheat people and get rich out of what they were teaching. And they would even change the teaching around to make it more appealing to spread to a wider audience. That is not the fragrance of Christ. And that's what Paul was saying, that they are not the fragrance of Christ. Notice what he says actually in the very next verse in our text. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. You see, what the peddlers would do, they were like the middleman. They would be the middleman between the, the, the product and the buyer. And they would get this product in and they would, uh, they would tamper with the product. They would raise the price, exorbitant cost, to make more money. 
They would take wine, and instead of selling the wine for the way it really was, they would add water to it and water it down so they could make it go further. That's what a peddler did. Paul says we don't water down the message of the gospel. We don't water down the aroma of Christ. We aren't in it for the money. We aren't in it to deceive people. We are in it to be men of sincerity, commissioned by God in the sight of God to speak for Christ. That is how we will spread the aroma of Christ as servants of God. Paul was more concerned about living a life of integrity and purity before God so he could spread the aroma of Christ. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 2. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. He's saying, I'm getting rid of everything in my life that would cause shame to the cause of Christ. I am getting rid of everything in my life that would cause people to think I'm operating underhandedly, doing things in secret, being one thing in public and something else in private. I want people to know, I want to spread the aroma of Christ, the pure, unadulterated message of the gospel. That is what the aroma of Christ is, and that's what will attract people to Jesus. When we live that way as servants of Christ, we don't tamper with it. It means that we don't mix human tradition with God's Word. We say it like it is. Here's what God's Word says. Now, do people like that? Some people don't. They get very offended. And that's why Paul says to some, it's the smell of death. To other people, it's the smell of life. Because some people get offended over the, the message. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 6.3, We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. And that should be the goal for every one of us. If we want to spread the aroma of Christ, we should never put a stumbling block that would inhibit that smell and that odor and that sweet fragrance of Christ to be spread. And you'll notice what a fragrance can do. It can penetrate through walls. It can, it can go everywhere. An aroma, you can just smell it. And sometimes you don't even want to smell it, but you have to smell it. <laughs> I mean, you just have to smell it. And the aroma of Christ, there are some people who don't want to be around Christians, but when we're around Christians, they smell the fragrance of Christ in our life. That's what God wants from all of us. And so what does Paul say? He says at the beginning, thanks be to God. He thanks God. This is an acknowledgment of appreciation for what God has done. He is thankful for what God has done. One theologian suggested that this is the process whereby someone turns in grace to another who has nothing. Nor is it just an impersonal transfer of things, but it's a heartfelt movement of the one who acts to the one acted upon. That God in his grace gave us grace when we had nothing when I was nothing, so that we could have the grace of God in our lives. So we have this gratitude toward God, and we want to pay him back, don't we, for what he's done? How do we pay him back? Well, we can't ultimately pay him back, but we pay him back by spreading the aroma of Christ to others. That's what he wants us to do. And may God help us do that. Here's what Paul said in Romans 10. 
How then can they call on him, on Jesus, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The fragrance of Christ is spread through the servants of Christ. And that's what God wants us to do. I thought this was an interesting little statement that goes along with what we're talking about this morning. When my absence doesn't alter your life, then my presence has no meaning in it. In other words, my involvement in your life ought to alter your life, and your involvement in my life ought to alter my life in a positive way, that we are spreading forth the fragrance of Christ. The aroma of Christ is spread through the servants of Christ. Bethesda Church has been doing Awana for over 40 years. Now, I don't know how many kids were in Awana over 40 years ago, but let's just say, for numbers' sake, I just want to show you something. Now, is this going to be an exact mathematical equation? No. But I, here's my point. The impact of the aroma of Christ. 40 years, if we average 60 kids over 40 years... That would be 2,400 kids. Okay? Now, let's say those 2,400 kids will influence 60 people, just 60. You probably have more contacts than that in your phone. That's 144,000 people. Now, let's say those 144,000 people influence 60 people. That means over 8 million people are impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why am I serving in Awana? Why am I leading a Bible study? Why do we support missionaries? Why do we support Byron Bible Camp? Why do we do all these things? Because we want the fragrance of Christ to be spread around the world. <laughs> That's why. That's why I'm involved in it. That's why I want to give to it. That's why I want to give my life to it and my resources to it because I want the gospel of Jesus Christ to be spread and the fragrance of Christ to be known. It's the only way people can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and know him. I think about our short-term trips. I think about our super summer jam, Byron Bible Camp, Sunday school, youth groups, funerals, weddings, CEF, college campuses, businesses, farmers, schools, banks, grocery stores, restaurants, auto dealerships, campgrounds, city parks, hospitals, nursing homes, insurance companies, federal and state workers, the Supreme Court, sports programs, the Internet, Facebook. I mean, we have so many opportunities to spread the aroma of Christ in all these ways. When I'm in school, kids... And I'm rubbing shoulders with a child that is lost, and I have the aroma of Christ in me, what an opportunity you have that I will never have, that grown-ups will never have. Teenagers, you have the opportunity when you're on a sports team, and that sports team has kids who are using language and coming from broken homes, and, and you have the aroma of Christ. What an opportunity. To make Christ known. So that's just a couple examples of how we can make Christ known and how God wants us to. 
So how can we be thankful? Thank God for servants who share his word. I am thankful that somebody, when I was a child, shared the gospel with me. Can you remember who shared the gospel with you? I'm thankful for former pastors who pastored Bethesda Church, who shared the gospel of Jesus Christ so that lives could be changed. I am glad that as a young boy, I came to recognize I was a sinner. And I deserved eternal wrath and eternal judgment from God. But God in his mercy and grace reached down and said, Roy Burkett, you're a dirty, rotten, lousy sinner. But Jesus Christ died for you. And I'm so glad I came to believe that. And I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. The second way we can spread the aroma of Christ is the aroma of Christ is spread through our freedom in Christ. Do you understand what God did for us in the person of Jesus in setting us free? Do we really grasp this? I don't think we do. Notice what Paul says in verse 14 again. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Let me talk to you for a moment about what that means. A triumphal procession. Historically, the Romans, whenever they would go in their military campaigns and they would defeat another city and they would plunder that city, they would have a Roman processional march. And they would come into town and they would have their, they would have uh, prisoners of war chained there would be people who would build scaffolding, and they would put scaffolding up because the whole town wanted to see this Roman processional. They wanted to see the prisoners of war who were taken captive. They would spread garlands of flowers along that Roman processional. Guess what flowers do? Emit a fragrance. They would spread perfume all over the Roman processional. They would also haul off and display the spices that they would get from the spoils of war. Those spices emitted an odor and a fragrance. And so all these ways, this aroma, so this smell went throughout the whole town because of the Roman processional. The ruler who led the army would be riding in a chariot. They would have one of the prisoners even carry a crown over his head to show that they were vanquished. And they were conquered by the enemy. And when I first read this, I thought that meant Paul is going around and sitting in the chariot with Christ and he's going in this Roman processional, but that's not what it means. What this means is Paul is saying, I am a prisoner of Christ. Christ captured me. He conquered me. I was on the road to Damascus. And on that road to Damascus, I was defying God. I was fighting the church. I was having... People hauled off into prison and captivity. People who were emitting the gospel of Christ. And that's why Paul says, I became a prisoner of the Lord. He was one who was captivated by Christ. He was in the Roman processional, as it were, as a slave of Jesus Christ. But that slave was set free. Because oftentimes at the end of a Roman processional, do you know what they did? They executed the prisoners except for a few. A few they would turn loose. And guess what Christ did? He didn't allow us to be executed. 
He set us free. He set us free from the bondage of sin so we could emit the aroma of Christ. That's what he did for us. The Roman processional was designed to flaunt the power of the victorious army and the nations and the gods. It was also to reinforce the mythology of the ruler as the invulnerable victor and the one who would bring world order, that they were invincible. But here's what Paul's saying. Thanks be to God. He is the supreme ruler. He's greater than any Roman ruler that ever lived. He's greater than any other leader that has ever reigned. He is the supreme, sovereign God of the universe. And through him, we are in triumphal procession in Christ. The Romans would even put images of the emperor in a triumphal chariot frequently on their coins. However, God is the one who is sovereign. He is the invincible one. He is the supreme ruler. And he is the one who sets us free. Notice what Paul says here. Thanks be to God. He leads us in triumphal procession. Through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Thank God we are no longer slaves. I'm no longer a slave to evil, selfish passions. I've been set free. I've been set free from myself. I've been set free from the bondage of sin that binds me. Here's what Paul says in Romans. But thanks be to God. There's that phrase again. That you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves to righteousness. He's saying you have a new owner now. You have a new master. When you were under the domination and control and power of sin, you were under the domination and control and power of Satan. He controlled you. He bound you. You couldn't be free to serve God. You couldn't be free to emit the fragrance of Christ. But Christ, because he died on the cross and shed his blood, I can be free from the bondage of sin because the price has been paid for me and it's been paid for you. And I cannot do good things to erase my sin, and neither can you. It's only by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross that sets me free and sets you free. Thank God I am no longer a slave to sin. Do you realize what freedom we have in Christ? Sin is destructive. It's missing the true end and scope of our lives. Sin is an offense in relationship with God with an emphasis on guilt. It's an aberration from the truth. What God is going to judge every one of us by is this book, His Word. Not by what I think is right or wrong, not what you think is right or wrong, but by this book. Because this book is God. It's God-breathed. And that's what He's going to do. In a book by Tony Renke, he recalls a metaphor that John Newton used to illustrate the effects of indwelling sin. He said, imagine a Christian sitting down with a blank page and pen. He begins to write out perfectly a scripted life. 
explaining how he would love others, how he would structure his prayer life, or how he would build, build a beautiful Christian family. But in dwelling sin and Satan crouch at his elbow and disrupting every pen stroke and messing up every word and sentence as our Christian friend tries to write the script. At every point in the Christian's life, our flesh and Satan jab our elbow and our pen skid across the page as our perfect plan is reduced to scribbles. This is a metaphor of the Christian life with indwelling sin. Yet the biggest problem is that sin is not at our elbow. It's inside of us. It's indwelling. And the only thing that will take that sin out of my life is bowing to the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross as payment. Thank God I'm no longer a slave to sin. Not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did for me in putting my faith and trust in him. Somebody said it well. Steve Farrar, actually, in his book, Finishing Strong, said, Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you're willing to pay. That's what sin does. It holds us, it binds us. The third way we can spread the aroma of Christ is the aroma of Christ is spread through our victory in Christ. The servants of Christ spread the aroma of Christ. Our freedom in Christ spreads the aroma of Christ and our victory in Christ. You see, this victory is not just for this life. It's victory for the next life too. That's going to be the longer one. So many people live for the 70 or 80 or 90 years of here. But then it's over. But the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. See, there is an after this. And God has given us victory in Christ for the after this. That's what I, I like. Let's look at the verse. But thanks be to God. This is the verse we had yesterday at the breakfast, Bob. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we go back and we look at the context of this verse in 1 Corinthians 15, we're seeing he's talking about the perishable and the imperishable, the corruptible and the incorruptible, the flesh and the spirit, the temporary and the eternal. And so what he's saying is this, I have victory for eternal life in Jesus Christ the greatest gift I could ever receive. The greatest gift. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I tell you a mystery, that you're not going to all sleep. You'll all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound. Listen, the dead will be raised imperishable. Do you understand? I have eternal life. 
The dead will be raised imperishable. We will be changed, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, that I, my perishable body, is going to die and go in the ground and it's going to return to dust. Your body is going to die and go in the ground and return to dust. But my soul, my soul is going to heaven. And because of that, and I live out the reality of that, the fragrance of Christ is spread. When I can stand up at a funeral and I can talk about somebody and say, here's their body, but your soul's in heaven. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory. I have victory over sin. I have victory over death. I have victory over hell. I have eternal life because of Christ. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through Christ. The fourth way, we spread the aroma of Christ. Oh, actually, here's the thank God. Thank God that in eternity, we will no longer feel the sting of sin. We can feel the sting of sin in this life because we're still here in the flesh. But when we go to heaven, the sting of sin has been removed forever. Forever. We will be delivered not only from the power of sin, we will be delivered from the presence of sin forever. Glory to God. The aroma of Christ is spread through our salvation in Christ. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9. Here's this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What is that gift? It's salvation. It's grace. Because if we go back into 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 8 and 9, we're going to see about a church that was so excited about giving to the needs of another church and believers who were struggling in their finances, their means, to have food, to have survival. They were so excited to share, because we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that it says they gave out of their poverty. Why did they give out of their poverty? Because of the grace of God that was operating in their hearts. That's why they gave. I mean, if we went back and looked at it, and we don't have a lot of time to do that, but just... Um, he says, brothers, we want you to know in 2 Corinthians 8 about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I can testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And why did they do that? Because of the gift of God's grace. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's the gift of salvation. It's the gift of eternal life. And so Paul says, thanks be to God. Thank God for his surpassing grace and salvation.
Notice what it says here in 2 Corinthians 9.14. And in their prayer for you, their hearts will go out to you. Why? Because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I would ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. While you do that, let me just reiterate, how are we doing at spreading the aroma of Christ? It is spread through the servants of Christ. Are you spreading the aroma of Christ at your school, kids? Are you spreading the aroma of Christ through your business, businessman? Are you spreading the aroma of Christ to your neighbors? What about the most obnoxious person you know that grates on you? Are you spreading the aroma of Christ to him, to them? What about a family member that is irritating? You might be rubbing shoulders with some family in close quarters over the holidays. Are you going to be conscious of spreading the aroma of Christ? I thank God for the people who shared his word with me. Not only for salvation, but so I could stand up and even proclaim the gospel. Because people have poured into my life the aroma of Christ. I have responsibility to pour it out. Are you pouring out the aroma of Christ through how you are living your life? We pour it out through our freedom in Christ. Are you living in freedom or are you living in bondage today? Is there some sin that keeps crippling your walk with Christ? It trips you up and you are not spreading the aroma of Christ the way you talk in the locker room, you use language that should not be used by a Christian that is not spreading the aroma of Christ. If you look at filthy content on the internet that is not spreading the aroma of Christ, God help us to be the church to spread the aroma of Christ. Our freedom in Christ, to live in that freedom and to live in victory, to know that one day when my life is done and this stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, my soul has been victorious because of Christ. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 5, 2, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, listen, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. See, we are being the aroma of Christ when we embrace his suffering and we embrace his sacrifice for us.
Thank God we're no longer slaves to sin. Thank God that salvation in Christ, the gift, has been given to us, the gift of salvation. Maybe you're here this morning, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I do as I do every week. I invite you to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to acknowledge your sin before a holy, righteous God who demands perfection. He demands perfection from me and from you. And well, I don't have to go very far to know I'm not perfect. I don't have to go very far to know that I have sin and I'm a sinner. But I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross hung, suspended between heaven and earth to die a wicked death, to be a fragrant offering to God, to satisfy the wrath and the holiness of God so that I could be made perfect in Christ. And what happens is this. Jesus gives me his righteousness. I become righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. Not my own righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, what's going to happen when it comes down to the end of your life and you're placed in a casket and your body returns to dust and your soul goes where? The Bible says there's two places. Heaven, because those who have accepted the gift of Jesus, his death on the cross, as payment for their sin, or hell, eternal separation from there, There's no in-between. <laughs> now, we could argue about the in-between. I know there are some religions that may talk about an in-between, but there's not an in-between. The Bible says there's a great gulf fixed, and you don't pass from one to the other. And so it's, it's serious business. And that's why at Bethesda Church, we will never water down the message of the gospel. It is offensive because it is the smell of death to those who do not believe. Those who do not believe the gospel, it's the smell of death because they're going to die without Christ. Those of us who know Jesus, it's the fragrance of life because it's through death in Christ that we are made alive. For those of us who are believers in Jesus, if there's something you need to give up in your life, Maybe you need to give up some of your time to serve in the body of Christ. Maybe you have gifts and talents that you have not surrendered to the Lord. Would you surrender those to God? Would you give Him everything to emit the fragrance of Christ everywhere? That's what He wants from us. I want my life to count. I want your life to count. God, help us spread the fragrance of Christ throughout Huron, South Dakota, across this nation and around the world. It's the only hope. If you have a special need in your life and you would like someone to pray with you, I'll be available. I'll be shaking hands at the door. Please come by and speak to me. I'll be glad to talk with you if you have questions and would like someone to pray with you. I'd be glad to do that. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. 
if you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.